You're listening to a sermon from Leewood Baptist Church. For more information about us, visit our website at leewoodbaptist.com. Let's look, turn over to John chapter 14 together. John chapter 14. We've been camped out in the Gospel of John since September. We have been camped out in this specific chapter of John chapter 14 here for a while, for about four weeks. So we're going to wrap up this chapter. We're on the home stretch in the Gospel of John. And in this chapter, Jesus has been teaching and instructing his disciples because he's getting ready to go to the cross and die on the cross for the sins of the world. And then he, as we know, he's going to be resurrected. And after his resurrection, he's going to ascend into heaven. So there's a sense here in John chapter 14, as we get into John chapter 15 next week, that as we're getting here, this is almost like the final words and instructions that Jesus is going to give. Jesus is giving his disciples some marching orders, some final words of encouragement. So in a sense, he's leaving his disciples with final words before this tremendous act of redemption that Jesus is going to do on the cross. Previously in this chapter, in John chapter 14, Jesus in the first part told his disciples, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Telling his disciples, reminding them that you cannot know God the Father. You cannot be connected to God the Father without me. Then down in verse 11 of chapter 14, Jesus said, Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. And so Jesus reminded his disciples and made it known that he is equal to God the Father, that he wasn't just one of God's kids who came to save humanity, but know that he was actually God coming to rescue humanity from our sin. Then last week, we saw Jesus then give the promise of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is God, that he is a counselor, he is a guider, he teaches, he reminds so Jesus gives them the promise of the Holy Spirit to empower them to go and start the church. Well, Jesus is going to kind of piggyback off of that promise of the Holy Spirit, and Jesus is going to promise something that he's going to leave with them. It's almost like an heirloom. How many of you, maybe you have a family heirloom that is very valuable to you. Maybe it's from a grandparent, great-grandparent, and maybe it's a piece of furniture or china or uh, dishes or whatever. It could be a num- any number of things. How many of us have a family heirloom that's been passed on through the generations? Anyone like that? Okay, a lot of us have that. My grandmother, she's getting ready to move in with my aunt, and so we are in the process, I say we, she is in the process of cleaning out her house, and there's a lot of family heirlooms being passed around our family right now. And so Jesus, before he does this act of redemption on the cross and his resurrection, Jesus is going to leave his disciples with something. And it's more valuable than a, than a dish from a great-great-grandparent or a piece of furniture or maybe even money that we can inherit. 
This is going to be a promise of something that is going to sustain these disciples as they are sent out to spread the gospel, but also a promise for us to sustain us in our own individual lives. So let's read verse 27 through 31. It says this, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. You have heard me tell you, I am going away, I am coming to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice that I am going to the Father, because the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you may believe. I will not talk with you much longer, because the ruler of the world is coming. He has no power over me. On the contrary, so that the world may know that I love the Father, I do as the Father commanded me. Get up, let's leave this place. We are all on the same search and journey together. We, each of us, are on the search for peace. We desire peace in our lives. We want our lives to go well. Hopefully, we're not looking for problems in life, or we're trying to create problems in our lives, but we each have the desire for peace. We want peace in our lives. We want peace in our world. We want peace of mind. We want, especially at Christmas time, we talk about peace on earth. We desire peace. And see, right here, what we've just read, Jesus is talking to 11 men, and they're, they're, quite, they're pretty shook up right now. Because Jesus has been telling them, I'm going to leave you. I'm going to my Father. And see, these, these disciples, they had spent three years with Jesus, and now their beloved teacher is getting ready to leave them. But he was more than a teacher to them. And the idea that their Messiah was going to leave them was extremely troubling and was extremely fearful. So now in this moment, these disciples, and they don't even fully understand what's going to happen, they find themselves in a moment that is not peaceful, that is not stable. And so quite frankly, these 11 guys, they're scared. They're troubled. And so Jesus starts talking about peace. In verse 27, he brings it up. The first word, he says, peace. He starts talking about peace and don't we all want peace? We want our lives to go well. We want peace of mind. We want peace on earth. We want peace. We want that calm of our lives. We want stability and security in our lives. And so Jesus says in verse 27, knowing these emotions that his disciples are, ha- his disciples are having and the thought process that they are thinking, Jesus starts talking about peace. That's a pretty appropriate thing to talk about in this moment, is peace. And so Jesus is saying, I am going to leave you with something. It's not a family heirloom. It's not something that maybe has any kind of monetary value. Jesus says, peace, I leave with you. My peace 
I give to you. So Jesus is saying, I'm going to leave you with peace. Peace straight from me. So this peace is from Christ. But let's keep searching for this peace here in this passage because we're all, as I said, we're all on the same search. We want peace in our lives. We want our lives to go well. So Jesus says this peace that he's going to give them, this peace that we have as believers, Jesus goes on to say in verse 27 that it's not what the world gives. It's not what the world gives. Now, the world, even our culture, offers us peace. They try to make peace. They try to give us peace. And so we have this idea that we have to try to find peace in whatever the world could offer. You say, Adam, what do you mean? Because we can try to find peace in family. If we think, if I can just have the perfect family, then I can find peace and stability and security in family. Or I can try to find peace in relationships. If my relationships are working well, then I can find peace in relationships. We can try to find peace through friends. If I can just be accepted by these kinds of people, then I can have peace. I can try, we can try to find peace in money. That if I have enough money in a savings account and a retirement account, then I can find peace. I can, we can try to find peace in success in our careers. And if I am successful, therefore I can have peace and a peace of mind. And we can start a really, really long list of everything the world could possibly offer us to give us peace. But Jesus is saying, this is not what I'm giving you. I am not giving you peace through anything that you can find in this world. That's not what I'm giving you. So what is he giving? What is this peace? If it's not financial freedom, if it's not relationships, if it's not success, what is this peace that Jesus is going to give his disciples? What is it that is peace that Jesus is giving us? Because oftentimes in our own spirits and our hearts, we live in a state of unrest and chaos. So what is it that Jesus is giving? What is it that Jesus is offering? Well, he goes on to keep, he keeps going, and Jesus goes on to say in verse, uh, at the end of verse 27, he says, don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. And in our world today, and we turn on the news, and let me just encourage you, don't waste your time with that, but go ahead and turn on the news if, if, you, if that's your thing. But we can turn on the news and see what's happening around the world and see what's happening in our culture, see what's happening in our cities, in our communities, and we can be troubled. We can be fearful. But Jesus says, don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. So what, is, what, what fear, what troubling is Jesus talking about? Is he talking about culture? Is he talking about the country? What's he talking about here? That's not what he's talking about. What, what is it that we are fearful of? What is it that the disciples are scared of? Because these are fearful guys right now. They're extremely fearful. So what is it that these guys are fearful of and why they need the peace that only comes from Christ? It's abandonment. 
They are scared of being abandoned. Or we could even say of being orphaned. And you say, Adam, what, how, where are you getting that from? Well, look again up to verse 18. We read this verse last week. But look again up to verse 18 of chapter 14. Because Jesus is, because he's omniscient God, so he can read minds. Jesus knows what these guys are thinking. And he says, verse 18, I will not leave you as what? Orphans. I'm going to leave you, but not like orphans. I am coming to you. Maybe you read this book in a high school literature class. I read it in a college uh, literature class. Oliver Twist. Anyone read the book Oliver Twist by Charles Dickens? Maybe you've seen a movie or a spinoff of it. What is the storyline of Oliver Twist? Oliver's mom dies during childbirth. His dad wasn't in the picture, and, his, and so he had been abandoned. His mother dies. He doesn't know his father, so therefore he's an orphan, and he's immediately in the story put into a horrible orphanage. The kids in these orphanages is dirty. It's filthy. The kids are malnourished. And there's even that famous scene where Oliver goes to the head of the orphanage, and he asks for more food. And because he asks for more food, he has the audacity to do that, he's immediately put into an apprenticeship. But it's not an apprenticeship, really. It's actually hard child labor. And actually, Charles Dickens wrote that book to address an issue going on in society of hard child labor. So Oliver's put in this. And, and, and in this pivotal scene in Oliver Twist, little Oliver is on his bed He's weeping on his bed because his life is a disaster. So he makes a plan. He says, I'm going to escape and go to London. So he escapes and he runs to London. And while in London, Oliver finds this little crew of boys who, honestly, they're fun to be around. They're a blast to hang out with. They're funny. They laugh. And so they start to tell Oliver of this guy who takes care of them, this man who provides for them, this man who loves them. He's kind of an advocate for them. And this guy's name is Fagin. And Oliver's introduced to this guy, yet Oliver's best attempts at digging himself out of this hole he was born to serve in, it only deepens. Because this guy is kind of a kingpin mobster in London, and he uses boys to pickpocket and steal and rob other people and steal in and around London and bring and these, these little boys bring the stuff back to him. And so the more Oliver's trying to find acceptance amongst this gang of boys and the more he tries to endear himself to this guy, the more and more his life becomes broken, becomes more of a disaster. So we see this in Oliver Twist. And there's a lot of parallels between Oliver Twist and our lives. Because we're born into this world not belonging. In fact, Scripture, the Bible, shows us that we are quite literally born into this world orphans. We may have biological parents, but spiritually we're orphaned. We are sinners separated by God. And so we're born into this world not belonging. We're abandoned. 
And because we're born with this innate desire to belong, to not be alone, to not be abandoned, that's how the disciples are feeling in this moment. They hear Jesus saying, I'm not going to be with you. I'm going away. And they're beginning to feel abandoned. They're feeling fearful. Their spirits, as it says in verse 27, the disciples are troubled. And to be honest, that is quite often how we feel, isn't it? We're fearful. We're troubled. And we want peace. And so we look for anything and everything to numb the pain. We look for anything and everything to heal the brokenness. And the more we chase after it, the more and more our, our, our lives descend into this, this swamp. And Jesus makes a promise, though. He says it in verse 18 that we just read. And he says it in verse 28. So let's look at verse 18 again that we saw last week. Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. All right, hold on to that phrase. Now skip down to verse 28. You have heard me tell you, I'm going away and I'm coming to you. Now, if I'm one of the disciples, I'm sitting here, I'm confused. I'm like, Jesus, which is it? Are you, are you going away are you coming? Are you coming or are you going? What is it? So there's a promise given here that is contained into what we saw last week. Because Jesus talks about their fear of being abandoned. And it says verse 16. So look, go back to verse 16 in chapter 14. He says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. So in this moment that we're all in together of being orphans, Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. How is Jesus coming? In the Holy Spirit. See, there's a string here that connects the entire Trinity. Jesus told his disciples, first part of John chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Jesus said, verse 11, my Father is in me. I am in my Father. Then Jesus says, I am coming to you. I am going to give you, verse 17, this counselor is the spirit of truth. So Jesus says, you are not going to be abandoned. In fact, it's the exact opposite. I may be leaving, but I am coming in the Holy Spirit. And he is saying, I am going to indwell you in the Holy Spirit to where I am not going to just be with you, hanging around with you. I am going to be in you. I am going to indwell you in the Holy Spirit. He says, I am coming to you. Jesus is in us. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, he is in you in the form of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I'm going to be with you in the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, I am in the Father. The Father is in me. You are going to be me. I am you through the Holy Spirit. So faith family, if you are struggling right now with abandonment, anxiety, and fear, let me encourage all of us 
to look to Christ, to look to the Holy Spirit, who is God and dwelt in us, and He is our counselor. He guides us, He leads us, He teaches us, and what He teaches us, He reminds us. If you are here this morning, maybe you are chasing after everything possible just to bring some element of peace in your life. Can I encourage you to run to Christ, to believe in Christ? Because if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are going to find that God's presence in your life in the Holy Spirit indwells you and gives the peace that passes all understanding. And I just want to, I don't want you all to take my word for it. I want you to take God's word for it, for Scripture. So I want to show you a couple, just two passages of scriptures, two, two passages that show what the Holy Spirit, Spirit brings to the table in our lives. Now listen, we could talk for months about the Holy Spirit. We don't have time for that. But I want to offer you comfort. I want to offer you peace that comes from Christ. And rest because of what you have in Christ and the Holy Spirit. So turn over to Romans chapter 8. I love Romans chapter 8. If there is one chapter in the Bible that I would encourage all of us to memorize, it's Romans chapter 8. But look at Romans chapter 8. And so as believers, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, and if you're not, this is what you can receive through the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 12 of Romans 8. I wish we had time to read the whole chapter just for the benefit of it, but we don't. Romans chapter 8 and verse 12, it says this, So then, brothers and sisters, we are not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh, because if you live according to the flesh, you are going to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Now, verse 14, don't miss this. For all, who are, for all those led by God's Spirit are God's sons. You did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Do you see the parallel between Oliver Twist and our spiritual condition? We're orphans, but through the spirit, we receive adoption, and we cry out, Abba, Father. Now, I know it goes against everything that I was taught in seminary and in preaching classes, but I'm going to ignore it. The Hebrew word Abba <laughs> means Father. All right? I don't, don't go to, don't glaze over. I've been in your situation before when a preacher or teacher is trying to uh, wax eloquent and bring up Greek and Hebrew, you just shut down. 
I did it in Greek and Hebrew class myself, okay? But that Hebrew word, Abba, is such a precious word. Because here in America, our babies, they say, Daddy. So, so just like an American baby says, Daddy, a little Hebrew baby says, Abba. It's an intimate word. And I know for some of you, you may not have had a relationship with your father, or maybe you didn't have a, uh, have a relationship with your father, or maybe you didn't have a good relationship with your father. So when you hear this right now, you are not here, you're not, there's no warm feelings here at all. In fact, maybe there's a little bit of anger, maybe there's a little bit of bitterness. But as we read here, as the Spirit cries out to us, Abba, Father, he is not saying that God is like our earthly dad. No, absolutely not. He's saying he is the father you always wanted. He is saying he is the father that you always wanted and needed and longed for. All right, let's get back into the scripture. It says, instead, verse 15, you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. So the Spirit tells us we are God's children, but it doesn't just stop there with being a child. We don't just get the title of God's child. What else do we get? Verse 17, and if children also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. So here is what Paul is saying here in Romans chapter 8. Because of the Holy Spirit, you are no longer orphaned, you are adopted. And this Holy Spirit cries out within you, Abba, Father, Daddy. And then the Holy Spirit then testifies with our spirit that we are truly God's children, but not just the title of child, but we get something. We are heirs. Not heirs like a baseball player letting a ball go through his legs, but an heir, H-E-I-R. We inherit something. What do we inherit? We are co-heirs with Christ. So this is where the rubber meets the road. Because of the Holy Spirit, Christ living in you, everything that Christ inherits as the Son of God, you and I inherit too. Isn't that amazing? That is the Holy Spirit. And that is why Jesus could tell his disciples, do not be fearful. Do not be troubled. I am not leaving you as orphans. In fact, I am coming to you in the Holy Spirit. So Jesus says, take comfort, feel peace, feel rest, because I am in you. I am giving you peace that the world can't possibly give you. So believe in me. Turn over to Philippians 4 and then we're done. Turn over to Philippians chapter 4. And verse 6. Don't worry about anything. Let me say this again for the sake of Adam Carter. Don't worry about 
anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And verse 7, and here's a promise you can take to the bank. Verse 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So in this moment where Jesus is talking with his disciples, I almost, I, I, this is how I imagine it, that Jesus is gathering these, these grown men, but he's gathering, gr- gathered them together, and they're scared. They're fearful, like children scared of the dark. And Jesus gathers them and says, listen, I'm not leaving you. I might be leaving, but I'm not leaving. I'm coming. Don't be troubled. Don't be fearful. I'm going to live within you. So faith family, let me encourage all of us to take comfort, to feel peace, to take rest, because we have Christ living in us. We don't have to worry. We don't have to be fearful. We can, as Paul says in verse 6, don't worry about anything because we have Christ in us. So rest in Christ. Believe in Christ if you haven't already. If you have believed in Christ, keep on believing. As the song says, that has nothing to do with Jesus. But keep believing and find comfort, peace, and rest in Christ living in you in the Holy Spirit. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, thank you. Forgive us for often ignoring you as God. For oftentimes just treating you as the third wheel of the Trinity. But Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are God in our lives and you guide us. You are our counselor. You teach us. You remind us to where we do not have to be troubled We do not have to be fearful and that you are right now, even right now, you are bearing witness with our spirit that we are your child. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for guaranteeing and making official our adoption to where we are no longer spiritual orphans, but we are adopted into your family. So Holy Spirit, minister to us. Help us to rest. Give us comfort. And give us peace that only comes through you. Give us the spiritual ability to stop chasing after anything else that we could grasp at to provide peace or maybe temporary peace, but help us to run to you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you're in the Kansas City area, we'd love to have you be our guest. We're located at 8200 State Line Road in Leawood, Kansas. 
Worship services are on Sunday mornings at 10.30. To learn more about us, visit our website at leewoodbaptist.com. Music